0: Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter 33, of the Last Judgment, Paragraphs 2 and 3. The end of God's appointing this day is for the manifestation of the glory of His mercy in the eternal salvation of the elect, and of His justice in the damnation of the reprobate who are wicked and disobedient. For then shall the righteous go into everlasting life and receive that fullness of joy and refreshing which shall come from the presence of the Lord. But the wicked, who know not God and obey not the gospel of Jesus Christ, shall be cast into eternal torments and be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Paragraph 3 as Christ would have us to be certainly persuaded that there shall be a day of judgment, both to deter all men from sin and for the greater consolation of the godly in their adversity, so will he have left that day unknown to men, that they may shake off all carnal security and be always watchful, because they know not at what hour the Lord will come, and may be ever prepared to say, Come, Lord Jesus come quickly. Amen. Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 96 of This We Confess, and today we consider the very last two paragraphs of chapter 33, which are also the very last paragraphs of the Confession. Last time we considered how assuredly God has appointed a day in which He will judge the world in righteousness by Christ Jesus. The apostate angels will be judged on that day. And with them, everyone who has ever lived will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Following on from this, paragraph 2 tells us the purpose of judgment day. And paragraph 3 explains why we do not know the exact date of judgment day. So first things first, what is judgment day for? The Westminster Divine's answer that it is for mercy and it is for justice. Paragraph 2 begins with the statement, The end of God's appointing this day is for the manifestation of the glory of His mercy in the eternal salvation of the elect. Well, what does this mean? First, consider the nature of humanity since the fall. I know we like to think that humanity is bright and shiny and wonderful and certainly heading towards a glorious future. But the scriptures give us the reality. The Apostle Paul would write in Romans chapter 3 and verse 10 onwards, None is righteous, no not one. No one understands, no one seeks God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. I have no idea how many days of human history will pass before the final day but each one of them will be filled with a mountain of wretched, depraved, rotten, human sinfulness. In your life and in mine, in the lives of our neighbours, our friends, our family, the great and the good, the beggar in the street and the queen on a throne, every single person, young and old, who has ever lived has filled the world with harmful words and sinful acts. And certainly some have done great deeds. And good, memorable deeds, but still none is righteous, no, not one, and God's anger certainly burns against all kinds of sin. And yet, God has decreed that out of the sinful mass of humanity, who all deserve the punishment of hell for their sin, out of that sinful mass, He will save a multitude. The covenant of grace promised a Redeemer who would crush the serpent's head. Christ was and is that Redeemer who was crucified for sin and raised for the justification of God's people. And today anyone who repents of their sin and puts their faith in Christ will be saved from their sin and the future punishment of their sin. And so on the final day of judgment, Every eye will see and marvel at the extraordinary mercy of God towards sinners. The day will be awe-inspiring, as every human being who has ever lived will be raised again to stand before Christ's seat of judgment. And it is beyond our imagination the sight and the sound and scale of that day. And yet we know the focus will be on the righteous judge, Jesus. And Christ himself will declare publicly his ownership of his people And he will say to those on his right, his redeemed people, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. These words from Matthew 25 and verse 34 will probably not be unknown to you, but please stop once again and marvel at the abundant mercy of God. The redeemed deserve nothing from God. He has not chosen them because they are better than others. He has not saved them because of their works. And instead, if anyone is saved or will be saved, it is purely because of the great mercy of God. Paul would explain this in Ephesians 2 and verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And so the last day has been appointed so that the world will see the abundant mercy of God made manifest as he redeems his elect people from their sin. And Paul describes the follower of Christ as a vessel of mercy in Romans 9 and verse 23. And indeed, that is what we are. We need not fear the final day, for it is on that day that we will see and understand the mercy of God to sinners who deserve his wrath. The gospel is truly good news. But the day of judgment is also about justice. The Westminster divines say, And of his justice in the damnation of the reprobate, who are wicked and disobedient. In other words, on the last day, not everyone will be saved. Not every sin has been paid for by Christ's finished work. There are still those who refuse the mercy of God in Christ Jesus, and they are still dead in sin, and the wrath of God abides upon them. For such an individual, the last day will see only damnation, as the whole world will finally see justice done. It might seem that some have escaped due punishment for their deeds, but it is simply not true. Every deed, both good and evil, will be brought out into the light, and on the final day, the wicked will receive due punishment for their deeds. It is said that due to his suicide, Adolf Hitler never faced justice. In this land, many have not had justice for their loved ones, murdered in their farmyard, or on patrol, or at their places of work. Wickedness abounds, and it appears that quite often it has received no recompense. But the truth is that God has set a day for his mercy to be made manifest but also a day that justice will finally be done as sin of all kinds is judged and punished. Therefore it is true that as Romans 3 in verse 26 says it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. God is just. And that sins which have not been paid for by the blood of Christ will certainly be punished on the final day. He is the justifier of those who have trusted Jesus, for their sins have been covered by the precious blood of the Lamb. And all sin is punished, and either Christ will take that punishment on your behalf, or the wrath of God will fall upon your own shoulders. Repent, and believe the gospel, and be saved. Each day without Christ is another day of sin, and as Paul writes in Romans 2, verse 5 onwards, But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works. And so, in summary, the day of judgment will take place on a day of God's choosing, unknown to humanity. It is a day that Christ himself will judge everyone who has ever lived, and indeed the angels who rebelled against him. The purpose of that day is to show the glorious, abundant mercy of God as sinners redeemed by grace go free, whilst those who have rejected Christ will face the wrath of God for their sins, which remain unforgiven. Christ's sacrifice was not universal. Not every sin was paid for by Jesus. Hell is not empty. There will be no second chance to believe as you stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And on that day, you will know God's mercy or you will know his wrath, for indeed you will prove to be a vessel of wrath, as again the apostle would write in Romans 9 and verse 22. The scriptures are largely silent about how that day will work. How long will it take? Does everyone get individual attention from Christ in the eyes of the entirety of humanity? I've heard various protests over the years. Some have said that Judgment Day will be a long time to stand, and others have said it will not be a day, but the act of judgment will take an eternity in itself. It is, of course, possible to get into the weeds of any theological issue. But I would urge you to settle yourself with the certainty of the day and the absolute necessity of being ready for it. The workings of that day can safely be left with God. He will do what is right and his will be done. So the purpose of the last judgment is clear. On the final day, God's mercy and justice will be on full display. There will be no complaints from anyone. And the day will end with reward and with punishment. The Westminster Divines say, For then shall the righteous go into everlasting life and receive that fullness of joy and refreshing which shall come from the presence of the Lord. But the wicked, who know not God and obey not the gospel of Jesus Christ, shall be cast into eternal torments and be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of the his As always, the Westminster Divines echo the plain teaching of Holy Scripture. In 2 Thessalonians, in chapter 1, we read these words from verse 7 onwards. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God, and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction, away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. And in Matthew 25, we read in various places in that chapter, Jesus tells those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from before the foundation of the world. However, to those on his left, he will say, according to verse 41, Depart from me, you cursed. Into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And verse 46: these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So we now know what the day is for and how it will end. But the last question answered by the confession is: when will this day be? There are two sides of this particular coin. And firstly, the Westminster divines tell us that God has absolutely made it clear that there will be a day. Humanity is not ignorant of this plan. And as Paul once preached, the Lord has put us on notice of the day of judgment by raising Christ from the dead. Acts 17 and verse 30, The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So, God is gracious in informing us of the day of judgment for two reasons. Firstly, the Westminster Divines tell us that God gives us notice of the final day to act as a deterrent to sin. If we know our sins will one day face the holy gaze of Jesus, then we would do well to flee from a life of sin. Nothing is unseen. Nothing is hidden, and all will be brought to light on the final day. Therefore go, and sin no more. Peter in 2 Peter 3 and verse 11 onwards would explain to us this very fact. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord? because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. So the knowledge of the coming judgment causes us to flee from sin but its second use is to give the Christian comfort in the face of persecution and adversity. The majority of Christians in the world do not live like Western Christians. In this part of the world, we argue over trivial matters. Churches split and divide, and unfortunately we can often use our freedom to settle into a life of apathy. It isn't this way for the North Korean Christian or the Christian in Saudi Arabia, or the individual who converts from Islam, or the Christian who lives in a land with no local fellowship, or the believer who has never had access to the Word of God in their own language. Many of our brothers and sisters live daily in adversity, and so the final day is their consolation. And today may be awful, but a greater and grander day is sure when all Christians will receive the reward. Romans 8 and verse 23 onwards speaks this way. Not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now what hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, We wait for it with patience. If this is all true, and it certainly is, then why has God not given us an exact time and date? Why has he not informed us that the Day of Judgment will be on the 18th of March 2079? The Westminster Divines bring the confession to a close by explaining that God has left the date of the day unknown, so that we will shake off earthly security. If we knew that the day was in ten years, then we would be secure in our sin until the last minute. If we knew that the day was thousands of years from now, we might rest well, believing the day of judgment was an issue for someone else and another generation and another time. But instead, the Lord has left that date unknown. So that you and I will not fall into such sinful security. Jesus would say in Mark 24 and verse 36 But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. This verse is a problem for many. It explains that you and I do not know when the day of judgment will be, not even the angels of heaven have that knowledge, nor indeed does the Son. How does Jesus not know when the day of judgment will be? Well the answer has already been covered in our Westminster Confession of Faith. In chapter 8 of Christ the Mediator we are told in paragraph 2, the Son of God, the second person in the Trinity, being very and eternal God of one substance and equal with the Father, did when the fullness of time was come, Take upon him man's nature, with all the essential properties and common infirmities thereof, yet without sin, being conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost in the womb of the Virgin Mary of her substance, so that two whole perfect and distinct natures, the Godhead and the manhood, were inseparably joined together in one person, without conversion, composition, or confusion." which person is very God and very man, yet one Christ, the only mediator between God and man. So Christ, the man, does not know the day and they are. Jesus is true God, true man, yet without sin, and the two distinct natures of Christ are joined without conversion, composition, or confusion. So the true, perfect manhood of Christ is, has all the essential properties of manhood and the common infirmities. So Jesus knows hunger, sadness, thirst, tiredness, and Christ the man does not know the day or the hour of the last judgment. So the exact time of the final day is known only by the Father, and the unknown date should cause us to be insecure and watchful for the return of Christ. The language used in Scripture underpins this teaching. In Mark thirteen, Jesus urges us, Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you I say to all, stay awake. And Luke 12, verse 35, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. So Jesus urges us to stay awake, to stay dressed, for the day is coming, but we do not know when. The unknown date should cause us to shake off earthly security and instead receive and rest in the returning Christ. And so, such watchfulness and readiness enables us to receive the words of Christ as he speaks at the end of Revelation. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. To which we reply, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. As always, here are some questions for you to consider. Question 1. What two words describe the purpose of the day of judgment? Question 2. Romans 3 and verse 26 states that God is both just and the justifier of the one who trusts in Christ. How will this be displayed on the day of judgment? Question three. God has certainly assured us that the day of judgment is a coming reality. There are two reasons for this. What are they? Question four. Explain why Jesus could rightly say that the Son did not know the day or the hour of the final day. And question five, why does God not give us an exact time or date for the last judgment? And so, with all of that stated, the Westminster Confession of Faith comes to a close. It is not a dead document, but a time-tested declaration of the Bible's teaching. It is the confession of my faith, and if the Lord spurs me, I hope to preach, teach, teach, and to defend the teaching of the Confession until the day I die. I hope this podcast has been a help to you, and perhaps it will be a resource used by the Lord to strengthen the faith of his people across the world. The podcast will return in September as we begin looking at the Westminster Catechisms. But today I pray for you what Luke once hoped for Theophilus, that you may have certainty, concerning the things that you have been taught. And additionally, I pray indeed that this podcast will have been a help in strengthening your faith so that the words of John's Gospel may also be true in your life and in mine. That the scriptures are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name that's all for today. As always, my name is Scott Woodburn, and until September, this we confess.